I'm going to, everybody have a handout? You guys get a handout by your seat? We're going to look at that this morning. Um, so if you want to have one of those handy, I want to pray, and then uh, we're going to jump right into what we have for this morning. So let me just ask the Lord to bless us. Holy Spirit, thank you for um, taking music and songs and turning them into something supernatural. Thank you that you invade our singing, and as a result, our hearts are stirred with greater faith and with greater love. Thank you that as a result, we, we actually sing not just to you, but to one another, so we receive and give encouragement as we sing. Just thank you for the gift of music. You didn't have to create music. You didn't have to create us with the ability to play music or sing. Um, so just your kindness, your goodness to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and Lord, I, I ask now that as we look at a lot of different verses from your word, um, that your spirit would be active in our hearts, Lord. I know that everyone in this room is going through different things, and everyone in this room has had a week and a month that has looked very different. Um, so, Lord, for those that are hurting and struggling and suffering and uh, fighting depression and everything else, Lord, that happens while we live on this earth in the flesh, that your spirit would meet and encourage them. Um, take one of these verses, one of these truths, and encourage them with it. And Lord, I pray for those who are doing well this morning, um, that you're, you would just breathe in even more faith into their hearts. And Lord, that as a result of this little time together, we would all uh, be able to see more clearly why you created us, what you created us for, and that we would leave here um, not feeling condemned in any way. Protect us from that, I ask. And instead, may we leave here filled with the Spirit and ready to take whatever next steps you want us to take um, in loving those you've put in our lives that don't know you. And so, Spirit, do that. And even as we are praying for us for that right now, we ask you to please, right now, Holy Spirit, be breaking into the hearts of those who don't know you, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates, our relatives, the ones that are lost, Lord Jesus, even now, Holy Spirit, descend in their hearts. Stir them to want to know you. Open their eyes to see the glory of Jesus in the gospel. Open their eyes to see the condition of their hearts. Oh God, we know that you have to work. You have to work in us and you have to work in them. And so even right now, pray, Spirit, do a converting work in their hearts, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we have, I'm going to jump right in. We have a mission for our church that's been the same mission for seven years. And I doubt it's ever going to change because I think we believe more and more as we've studied different books of the Bible that it's all over Scripture. So our vision statement as a church is that we exist to glorify God by building a community of spirit-filled disciples living on gospel mission. So we exist first to glorify God, and we never want to go over that too quickly. Um, Isaiah 43 is very clear. God says, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone whom I created, everyone whom I created for my glory. So we were all created for his glory. We know 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So everything we do, everything in our life should have the aim of bringing praise and glory and honor and making Jesus and his name famous. So we exist as a church for that predominantly. Now, what does it look like for us to glorify God in all that we do? Well, we exist to glorify God. Specifically, we exist to glorify God by building a community, a group of people, a family together this, all of us here, all of us when we meet in our smaller groups, a church. We exist to glorify God by building a community 
of spirit-filled disciples, not just any kind of disciple, not disciples that we're just going to go out and do everything God tells us to do with all of our strength and all of our might. No, we're going to do it based on being filled with the Spirit. And we, we believe we continually need to be filled with the Spirit in order for us to become a community of disciples who are able to glorify God and, last little phrase, live on gospel mission. So we want to live on a mission that's empowered by the gospel and then actually is just the gospel going out from us. Now we break that down because it's too long of a sentence for anybody but me to memorize because I'm the only one that cares probably about those details. But here it is in in box form, okay? (laughs) So we've seen this before too. Gospel is the foundation. It always will be. And it is the biggest box on purpose. There's a point to that. It is the foundation. It's everything we believe in. We exist to preach. We want the gospel to go out. So as a church, as a pastor, as Tyler and Jordan, as we preach, you are going to hear the gospel. And you're going to hear it in two ways. I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but there's a macro thinking about the gospel and a micro way of thinking about the gospel. In other words, the gospel is Jesus died for sinners. Right? Jesus died for our sins. That's the, that's the micro. That's the simple definition of the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus sacrifices life for our sins. But then, if it's good news, then really the gospel is everything we know about who the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are. Right? The good news is everything we know about the Trinity, who they are, what they've done, what they're doing, and what they're going to do is all good news. So we can talk about the gospel in a macro way and say, everything we know about our God is gospel news. It's good news to us. And so that's, that is our foundation, and that's what fuels our being together. We want the gospel, and we talk about this, to function whether we're meeting in this setting or whether we're meeting in our groups of three or in our community groups, meaning we want it to make sense. We want it to be applicable, and it is to every area of our lives. So we talk about speaking Jesus into each other's lives so that we have figured out ways to make sure the gospel is, is functioning in real ways as we live our everyday life. And that's part of that mission. The mission is to apply that gospel, to disciple one another with that gospel. And we break it up into two little groups of going and growing, right? We, we want to go to the lost, and we also want to help each other grow. And so it's a very simple mission that I think we've seen in Scripture throughout. Well, this morning, all we're going to do is focus on this little box, okay? So this is our box for this morning. So we're going to talk about what it looks like for us as a church is we hopefully have more time now to get out in, in the community, maybe more time to spend with neighbors. Things hopefully are going to be changing even more and more. We're going to be focusing this morning just on what does the go mean for us and how do we go? And so as, as we do this this morning, as we focus on the go, I don't want you to think that we're focusing on the go at the neglect of the grow. Because if you are going, you will grow. I mean, that's why we do short-term missions trips, right? They're really not for the people we go to, seldom, at least from my experience. They're more for the Americans that go, because we come back changed, right? Sometimes there's good stuff that happens, but primarily whenever I've gone on trips, it, it impacts us. And people come back and like, that was such a great trip. We spent a week praying for people and spreading the gospel and saw people get healed and preach sermon. It was awesome. And then they come back and, and it stops. And I, I kind of think that God is probably wondering why we don't think of every day as a mission trip, <laughs> right? Or long, we're on a long-term mission trip. Or maybe we should say it's a short-term mission trip, because even if you live to be 80 or 90 or 100, that's still short, right? So we're all on a short-term mission trip to go. 
And we know that when you go, you will grow. So don't, don't separate those two too much. And, and also remember, and, and I, I say this often because I have to remind myself of this often, is that the gravitational pull of the church and of our hearts is most often towards growing and not going. It just is. When churches start to think about programs and events and ministries and all those things, most of the time the gravitational pull is towards the Christians and helping them mature as opposed to going to the lost, most of the time. Now, there's some people that are, have, truly have the gift of evangelism who would say, no, that's not true. But overall, typically that's what happens. So we have to fight against that, I think, as a church. I think I have to fight about that in my own life because at times I'd rather just not pursue my friends that don't know Jesus because I get selfish and lazy. So I just need to be reminded. So this morning, really, that's what I want to do for us. I just want to remind us that there are people all over your neighborhood and your work and your school and everywhere else that don't know Jesus, that we have an opportunity to go love. And so I want to do this morning is, is again, lay the foundation for us of what our go mission is, and even, as it says on the top of your paper, a theology of go. So this is kind of like the doctrine of why we go as part of our vision statement as a church. So if you're looking at your little handout, I just put the scriptures there hoping that that's that's the fuel that encourages you. We've memorized many of these. We've studied all of these. So this really is just Reminder Sunday. And, and, and Tyler and Jordan and I were talking, I think I shared this two weeks ago, that we really believe that, that it's, been a, it's been a strange year. It's almost like we're replanting or we're restarting. And so it's a great chance to remind ourselves of why we exist as a church. So number one, whenever you talk about any doctrine or any part of theology, it should always begin with God. So, in essence, what we're going to learn about is something about God that we get to now emulate. So, number one, God really is a sending God. God is a go-God. God's a missionary go-God. And we see this in John 17. Jesus said, as you sent me into the world. The, the Father sent Jesus into the world. And then Jesus said in John 20, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. So we know that God is a sending God who sent Christ. The Father sent Jesus. And then next in your outline, the Father and Jesus together sent the Holy Spirit. So in John 14, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So the Father will send the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the Father and the Son together send the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascends into heaven. Now, I want to just pause here because this is probably very familiar news to everyone here or to all of us. So I just want to take a second here as I was praying and thinking through this to really make this personal for us. That when the Father sent Jesus, he didn't just send him generically. We'll just send him and let's see what happens. Or we have a plan for him, but we don't know exactly how it's going to be fulfilled at the end. I want you to hear this morning that when the Father sent Jesus, he sent Jesus for you. He sent Jesus for you, with you on his mind. That's breathtaking. The Father sent Jesus 
to die for you. I mean, Paul said, for me to live is, or for and the life I now live in the faith, I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, Paul said, and gave himself for me. And I think we can claim the same truth, that Jesus was sent for you so you could be forgiven, so you could be redeemed, so you could be set free from sin, so you could be reconciled to the Father. It was all part of his plan. I just feel like we need to just really receive that. The Father sent Jesus for you. And the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit for you, specifically. He had you in mind before eternity began, before time began. In eternity past, God already knew you and planned on sending His Son for you and sending his Holy Spirit into you so you would be born again. So when the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit, it's not just, let's just see if somebody responds. No, he was sent for you. He was sent so that God could dwell in you. The Holy Spirit was sent so that the Father's love could be poured down into your heart. So I know that sometimes we come to church and we kind of think, well, this is for us, but it's for you personally. Personally, that Jesus was sent for you, and the Holy Spirit was sent for you. So God really is, he is a sending God. And we see this everywhere, really, in Scripture. I mean, in, in Matthew, we're going to read this in a couple of weeks. Um, it's not in your notes, but we're going to read about uh, the story where, we've heard this a million times, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Then the very next thing that happens is he calls the 12 disciples together and he sends them out, right? So he sends the disciples. We're gonna, you'll see it if you read Luke 12. It's the same thing. He sends the 72. What does he do? He sends them out. So he's always sending. We see it in the Old Testament. There's a couple examples we're going to put on the screen. We, we looked at these actually last Sunday briefly, but he's, he told Abraham, go be a blessing. He told Isaiah, to go. Um, he's going to send Isaiah, and Isaiah's going to go. Jeremiah says, I'm going to send you because I want you to go. He tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. So it, it's all over Scripture. It's the storyline of the Bible. It's God rescuing people, then he gathers them together in community of some kind, and then he sanctifies them and sends them. And so it's, we read it over and over again. It's really, it is, it is part of God's character. When we think of God's attributes, one of them should be, God is a God who's on the go, and he's sending people. He sends himself. He sends his people in order to be a blessing, in order to rescue us from our sin. So this is what he does. And if that's true, then it should be no surprise that God would send you. It shouldn't surprise us. If that's God's character, well, then, of course, he's going to keep doing what he's been doing, which is to send people, so he's going to send you. So, in your outline, there's a verse there from John 17, where Jesus is praying, and he says, As you sent me into the world, he's talking to the Father, so I have sent them into the world, he's talking about the disciples, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And then he transitions to us sitting in this room this morning. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Jesus is praying for us. And so what is he praying? 
He's praying, I think, for our sending, that we would be sent, and for our sanctification. So he says sanctified. So what is he praying for? Our growing and our going. That's what he's praying for. That's his top prayer for us. When he transitions and praying for his disciples, to those who will believe in the future to us, he prays for them being sent, and he prays for their sanctification. He prays for our being sent and for our sanctification. So I don't know what you think about when you think of you. Like, who are you? But there's some things that I think are very helpful for us to remind ourselves of. For us to maybe even on a daily basis, remind ourselves of that I am a new creation. I am justified. I'm a child of God. I'm adopted. I am reconciled to the Father. But also remember, and I'm a sent one. I'm someone who has been sent by God to share with others the good news of what God has done for me. So this is God's mission strategy. You. You're his plan. I mean, God could have said, I'm just going to give everybody a, a dream, and that's how they'll come to know me and they'll get converted. And he does do that, right? He could have given everybody a Damascus Road experience. So everyone's converted. What's going to happen is you're just going to see a great light, you're going to fall to the ground, and that's how everyone gets converted. He could have sent angels to each person as, they were, as he wanted them to be converted. But instead, what's his plan? It's to send us. It's to send you. That's his plan. You are his plan. So this reshapes how I think about life when I'm thinking biblically. That means when I go to Walmart, I don't go to Walmart. I've been sent to Walmart to be a blessing of some kind. I don't know what, right? When you go to the park, you are being sent to the park by God. I mean, if you want a short-term mission trip, you would be thinking that way everywhere you went, right? I mean, that would be, that's part of the task, is to be thinking that way. And that's how God wants us to think, to be going, okay, who can I encourage? Who can I bless? Who can I build relationally with? Every time we step foot out of our house, we should be thinking that we are not just leaving on our own, but we're being sent somewhere. Every time we get up in the morning, for those of us with little kids in our house, or grown kids in our house, when we get up in the morning, we start walking downstairs, we'll be thinking, I'm not just going downstairs, I'm being sent downstairs by God to disciple these kids, to bless these kids. So it's a shift in our thinking. Why do you think you live where you live? You really didn't choose it. Why do you live in 2021 right now? Why do you live in whatever town you're living in? Monrovia, Woodbine, Mount Airy. Why do you live there? Why do you work where you work? Why are your neighbors positioned around you? Why? Do you believe in a sovereign God that he put them there for us to reach, to love, to encourage? I think so. And so remember that every, every moment of our day, it's, it should be a reminder, God sent me to here at this moment in this time to be a blessing. All right, so what do we do when we, oh, let, me, let me back up for a second. You have a second, another bullet down here that God sends disciples clearly to make disciples. So you guys know this, Matthew 28, we are told to go and to make disciples disciples. We're told to go and make disciples. Make disciples is the controlling verb there, followed up by two ing words, baptizing and teaching, baptizing and teaching. But making disciples, going and making disciples is what a disciple does. And so when we read the rest of the New Testament, what you see is the fulfillment of that. Paul is showing us how to make disciples of one another, how to make disciples of the lost. When we read Peter, when we 
when we read the, the book of Acts, we're learning how to do this very thing that Jesus calls us to do, which was to make disciples. To be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. Let me see if I can analogize this for you. Is that a word? Analogize. Suppose I said to you that I am a gardener. I'm a farmer. I, I love everything about gardens. And you asked me, well, what are you guys growing in your garden then, Matt? What do you grow in your garden? And I said, well, well, I don't grow anything. I'm not going out there getting my hands dirty. Are you kidding? Planting seeds, all the work, pulling weeds and watering. I, don't, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. But I have a lot of gardening magazines, and I read them all the time. And I buy seeds. I have seeds. I can show you them on my kitchen counter. I have all these seeds lined up for gardening. I watch gardening YouTube videos. There's great ones out there. I belong to a gardening club. I meet with a group of guys every Thursday morning for an hour and a half. We talk about our gardens, and we troubleshoot our gardens, and it's great for me to be there. I learn an awful lot. And I even know six country songs about tractors. <laughs> the big green tractor, the man on a tractor, I want my tractor back. There's even a song just called Tractor. Did you know that? Now, if I said that to you, you would conclude that I'm really not a gardener, wouldn't you? Because to be a gardener means you actually plant things and garden. Listen, to be a disciple is to disciple people. Disciples make disciples, just like if I'm going to be called a gardener, I need to have a garden that I'm planting and watering and fertilizing and watching things grow. So as disciples this morning, I feel like we just need to remind ourselves that this is the very thing, if we're calling ourselves disciples, that God has called us to do. And so now we can move on in our, in our outline to what do we do then? What does it mean to be a disciple maker? So these are kind of like six ingredients or necessities to disciple making. How do we make disciples? What does it look like for us to make disciples? So the first thing is this. We must do it in the power of the Trinity or the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to go in the power and the presence of the Spirit. So Matthew 28 tells us very clearly, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. And the first thing he says to do is baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now the word baptize means to dip or to plunge something. So if you were standing by the Sea of Galilee and a little boat started to sink, you would say, oh look, it's being baptized. It's sinking. If I was eating Oreos and milk and I took the Oreo and put it in the milk, I would say I'm just baptizing my Oreo. Just how they would say it, and they wouldn't think of it as funny. That was just their terminology. So I think when Jesus uses the word baptize here, I think he could very well mean water baptism, like we do, churches do. But I think he means more than that. I think what he's saying here is, look, when you go to make disciples of all nations, when you go to the lost, I want you to live with them in such a way that they're being submerged into the Trinity. That they're being submerged into the Father and into the Son, into the Holy Spirit by the way that you live your life. That you bring the presence of God to the people that don't know him. And I think that's what he means by how he wants us to live for him. You've got two verses here, from, one from John and one from Acts in your notes. Um, let me just jump to the second one in Acts. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples before he ascends. And he says, so... When they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I, I love these verses. I love the way Jesus just flips it back on them. They're like, hey, Jesus, when are you going to? And he's like, oh, no, don't worry about that. But here's what you are going to do. <laughs> don't worry about what I'm doing. Here's what you're going to do. And, and just a few verses before that in Acts, he says to them, wait until the Spirit comes. Don't try to do this mission thing without the Spirit. You desperately need the work of the Spirit. The mission, I believe God would say, the mission is too big for you to do on your own. It's a God-sized mission, and God designed it that way so that we would depend on him to help us to fulfill the mission. (laughs) So we can't accomplish it with our own creativity, our own power. We need the Spirit of God to work in us and through us. So that's the first ingredient. Second ingredient is love. We talked about this two weeks ago. Again, just a reminder, I think Romans 9 is just something that we've got to keep going back to, that we would be filled with great sorrow and unceasing anguish for those who do not know Christ, and that we'd be filled that way so that we would go and love those who do not know Jesus. And we know the second greatest commandment, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I, I don't think any of us have trouble loving ourselves. I don't think Jesus is saying, you know, spend some time loving yourself first. <laughs> I think he knows we have no trouble loving ourselves. That's a given. Now it's how can you love other people the way that he is loving you? How can you love others the way that Jesus has loved you? And so that's the call. You saw this today if you're keeping up with the reading. I don't know if you guys read this morning or whether you'll read later, but in Matthew 5, where we're at in our reading through the Bible together, Jesus says to them, uh, they tells them, love your, he's been told, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus tells us that plain and simple. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So no matter who the people are in our lives, we are called to love them and love them and love them. And then one of the ways we do that, another ingredient here, is through friendship, by spending time with them. We've talked much about this as a church family. Um, In Luke, where the Pharisees and the scribes grumble at Jesus and the disciples, and they say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why? Why? Why does Jesus do this? It seems like Jesus' mission plan was to simply sit down and enjoy meals with people who were sinners and tax collectors. And so that's why we all read the book, A Meal with Jesus, together. Right? Just a reminder, kind of build that theology a little bit more. Of That's what Jesus did, and it seems like it's a very natural way for us also to connect with people, just to connect with others. You know, I was thinking this week, why didn't God make us so that we just, like, we go outside and we just stand outside like this for a couple minutes and we photosynthesize, right? We collect, collect the light and, okay, I'm good for the rest of the day or drink a little water and, okay, I'm good. Right? Why, why? Why would God make tongues and taste buds and teeth and esophagus and a stomach? Why create food that has different textures and different flavors? Why create, why create food that when you mix different things together, they create a whole new flavor? Why make it so that when you pair a certain drink with a certain food, that it does something else totally different in our mouths? Why? He could have done it a billion other ways. I think it, I think it just reflects his creativity, his kindness, his goodness, the joy that he has. But there's also something about when we share that experience with other people, something happens. I don't know what it is, but something happens when we're with other people just eating. There seems to be a great storyline in Scripture of food from Genesis all the way through Revelation when people eat together and they're feasting together and there's, there's all these weeks of feasts. Maybe it's something that God did simply for us to enjoy 
being together. There's a certain um, small business in Mount Airy that I don't know, every month or so I bring them donuts. And I just walk in and I just bring them donuts. And I'm getting to know them more and more. And, and it's amazing what a box of donuts does. It's just crazy. It's a $5 box of donuts from Safeway. And yet all these people that I have very little in common with, there's men, there's women, there's old, there's young, there's um, African-American, there's white, there's lesbians, there's transvestites. They're all in there. When I walk in with donuts, it's open conversation. Donuts come out. We talk about everything. And I do believe something about chewing, <laughs> getting that food in their mouths, love communicated that way. I don't know what it is that plays a part in what God is doing. So we have 21 meals a week. Somebody challenged me once, what if you spent three of those 21 eating with somebody that didn't know Jesus? I thought, wow. What if I spent three meals? Some of you guys already do this, and ladies, you maybe work in an environment where you do lunch every day with people who don't know Jesus. <laughs> I would just say keep it up and look for those opportunities. So I think there's something unique about food. Next thing in your notes, proclaiming Christ with our words. We memorize 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2.9, it's in your notes. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is our mission. It is to speak Jesus. What's that little saying? Something like, Share the gospel and use words if necessary. Yeah, that's a terrible saying. <laughs> it's both, right, you guys? We know that. We know it's both. And that's the next thing on your sheet. It's, it's serve them too. So it's the two go together. It's our deeds and our words. Our deeds and our words. God wants us to do both. And with the words ones, it takes wisdom. And it takes patience. And it takes timing. And it takes love. And it takes trust. But I think if we pursue and are persistent in building friendships with people and we serve them and love them and do the good deeds, the good deeds and good behaviors here in these verses in 1 Peter, that he will open the doors for us then to also to speak, to proclaim how excellent he is with our words. And then lastly in your notes is don't do it alone all the time. There's a place for doing it alone. There's also a place of bringing these people that we are seeking to love with the gospel into community, to bring them in so that others can show them and speak to them about Jesus. And so the two verses here, John 13, 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So how will the world know that we are Jesus' disciples? It's by how we love each other. And then he says in John 17, I am in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? Why does, why does Jesus care about our unity? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as I loved, even as you loved me. So I read these verses and I say to myself, it seems to be that our love together our unity with one another is supposed to testify or argue for Jesus being God. We're supposed to look at us and how we love each other and how we are unified and go, oh, wow, Jesus must be God. And they're supposed to see how we love each other 
and how we're unified, and this is to conclude, wow, Jesus must love me too. That's what Jesus is saying here, that it's our togetherness that's supposed to be a compelling argument for the existence of Jesus and for Jesus being the Son of God. So I read that, and I go, that means at some point, somehow, I want to bring my friends who don't know Jesus into some setting where they're going to get to hang out with you. Because then they're going to get to see us loving each other, and they're going to see our unity, which is going to be a compelling argument for the existence of Christ. Does that make sense? So I I don't think it's complicated. I think it just, again, argues for why we do need some other setting where we're getting our unbelieving friends just to hang out with our believing friends, whatever that looks like. It seemed like that is good and right and God's way. And so with that, I just want to say this. There is no formula for what this looks like. Okay, I, I, I know that Chevy and Ailey, you guys do stuff at your house where you invite all your neighbors and then some of your community group people come and that sort of thing. I know others in the church, I won't say all names, but that have had certain families over their house every, every, once a week. I know people have done like every, every Saturday morning is pancake breakfast morning in their house and people come. You, there's, no, there's no formula for what this looks like. The point just is spending time loving people that don't know Jesus. And so that's what we as a church, that's what Tyler Jordan and I really have been praying about, is that we would just keep pressing into that. Whatever that looks like for you. What does that look like for you and how you are called, how you're gifted, what burdens God has put on your heart? Because we believe that everyone in this church is gifted differently. And so either on your own or as a community group or you and another person, another family or a larger portion of our church, in some way, God wants to bring together to use to help people who don't know Jesus to experience him through our lives. That's it. I mean, it's a pretty simple, simple mission plan. And so in our groups of three, we're going to put that little slide on the screen, every week, one of the questions that's there is a go question. We seek to review and apply the Sunday message, find out are there any areas in your life right now that you're struggling with, hurting, um, problems that we can speak Jesus into, and then we try to spend a few minutes in our groups of three just praying for people who don't know Jesus and strategizing what does it look like. And so I believe, I think Tyler, Jordan, and I together believe that there's more strategizing to do. I don't know what that means, and I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I think there's more strategizing that we can do as we move into the spring. Ways that there's people that we can reach love, build into some subset or the whole set of our community so they can experience the love of Jesus. This is why I love when we would do the church picnics at our house because my neighbors would come and then you all would love them and they would see what I'm talking about. And so I don't, that's just one little illustration for me, but I think the Spirit of God in every one of us can help us figure out how God wants to use us uniquely, how he's gifted us, the burdens he's given us to do the very same thing. And I think I just often need to be reminded. I think I've told you guys before, Elspeth and I have to get our calendar out and actually plan our go nights. Outside of our go to Walmart times, <laughs> all the other things we have to do, but specifically, like, okay, this is the couple, we're going to get together with them, here's the nights we're going to do it. Because I know that if I don't, the gravitational pull of my heart will be to spend more time with all of you, and I don't love you that much. <laughs> that was a joke. Make sure you're paying attention. That's where my heart will go. So it takes intentionality and it takes planning. So as a way, we've done this before, but as a way of 
reinforcing this for everyone. Everyone is going to get a Go envelope this morning. You guys want to pass them around. Yeah, take one per family or family unit. You guys can open them if you want. You guys know what's in them already probably anyway. So let me, let me explain why we do this. We believe that you are perfectly positioned wherever you are, at work or at home or neighborhood, whatever it is, to do, to go to the people God has called you to go. So this little $50 is a jump start. It's, it's literally just a little tiny jump start for you so that you can use that to bless, encourage, build relationally with someone who doesn't know Christ. And, and that's just, like I said, that's just the jump start because some of you have already been doing lots of stuff and you just give me receipts or us receipts, and we will reimburse you for whatever it is. So this is, this is there as a little jump start. And now, now listen to this. I want to make sure you hear clearly. So you've got this 50 bucks, and some of you are here going, all right, got six ideas, can't wait. And others are going, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't know how to use it. I, I don't know what I'll do. Listen, the, the good part about this is, is it'll be a reminder to keep pressing you into wanting to do something. That's kind of how I've seen it for me sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, I want to find those people that have some kind of need, or I want to bless somebody, or I want to encourage somebody. And then over time, God leads us that way. So receive this either as, cool, now I can go do what I already thought I was going to do anyway, or as a, all right, this is going to help me, force me to think more strategically about how I can bless somebody that God has put in my life. And like we said, there's plenty more. So whatever your ideas are, Tyler, Jordan, I want to hear your ideas so that we can then go and support you as missionaries in your community, at work, at home, at school, wherever it is, to fulfill the mission God has called us as a church to fulfill. So I hope that's clear. I hope the envelope there is clear. I hope it's a way just to get you rolling. And then we'd love to see some emails, just, hey, here's what I did with it. Here's how I used that money. Um, Because I just think that's a great way for us to then encourage one another by seeing how we're using those funds for the glory of God and for the good of the people that God has put in our lives. So my encouragement then, ending with this, I I hope this gives you like a foundation, like, okay, this is like, this is for reals. This is what God's word says. Like he tells us to do this. Now, how can I do it? And I, I pray that this week in our community groups, in our groups of three, that we're really able just to share ideas, strategize, Talk about what kind of things God has put on our hearts, the people God has put in our lives, and to see what God is doing. And I pray that as spring comes, we'll build more and more momentum in a direction that helps us to connect more and more with people that don't know Jesus yet. Amen? You're all missionaries. Your short-term mission trip just got longer. And I know a lot of you guys are already doing this very well and all the time, so I pray you just receive this as an encouragement. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up, and please keep stirring the rest of us up to keep doing it too, because we need you to help us and to stir our faith up to keep going. All right, amen? I'm going to pray, and I think we're going to sing a song or two. So I'm gonna, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, 
Sometimes I wonder why you chose to do it this way. Um, You want us to play a part in what you're doing. And God, there's probably few other times that make me more dependent on you, more needy for you to lead me, more needy for you to show me what to say and how to say it than when I'm with people that don't know you that I, that I love and that you've put into my life. And so, Lord, we, we pause right now to say we need your help. And God, we don't, we don't want to go out of just obedience. We go because we believe your glory is worth it. That right now there's people that aren't glorifying you the way that you deserve to be glorified. And so it's out of a love for your fame and your glory that we want to love those who don't know you. And it's out of love for them. Lord, it's, it's out of love for them. Lord Jesus, again, we pray that you would break our hearts for those who right now are headed to hell and who don't know you. God, we pray that you would help us to grieve for them and to hurt for them. Help us to know how to love them and serve them and speak to them. Help us, Jesus, to know how to bring them into some form of community so they can experience your presence through others and other people rather than just ourselves. And so we need you, Holy Spirit, to do this. We want you to do this. Build our faith for doing this. Give us creativity to do this. Give us the gifts we need to do it. Help us, Jesus, to know what things we do on our own and what things we do with a smaller group and what things we do with a larger group. Just pray that your spirit would be very active. Even as our groups of three meet this week, that your spirit would be very active, stirring up our faith, giving us ideas, leading us. We believe what you said, Jesus, is still true, that the harvest is plentiful. We believe that. And so we just want to play a part being obedient to you, being led by you to do whatever it is you call us to do. And so do that, I pray. And Lord, I pray that every one of these $50 that is spent, that it somehow and in some way would play a part in friendships being developed, friendships being furthered, people being blessed, and ultimately, Lord, us having opportunities to share just how good you are with them. So use us, use the funds you've given us. Help us to take all the ways we've been blessed and use it to bless others. And please, Lord Jesus, do do a good work in converting those who don't know you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.